The American Cancer Society indicates the risk of dying from cancer has decreased markedly over the past 31 years since its peak in 1991. The combined cancer death rate for women and men has dropped 32% through 2019, the most recent date for available data. Great news and greetings again. I'm Adam Morgan. On this edition, with the pandemic and COVID-19 taking up most of the health news visibility, we thought this to be a good time to update ourselves regarding developments and treatments in key cancer areas, along with advancements in treatments. Our guest from the Rocky Mountain Cancer Center's U.S. Oncology is Dr. Sujutha Nalaparetti. I think uh, we are in an age where we have a lot of treatment options for our cancer patients. Like even for pancreas cancer, like just an example where we would tell them that they have three to six months to live with stage four cancer, are living longer and longer at this time. Immunotherapies, uh, immunotherapies. I guess they've uh, the, we've made some good advancement there, um, so that you know you can get the injections now, and and that's going to help a lot a lot better. Cancer cells are foreign to our body. And they have this protective mechanism which keeps our immune cells from attacking the cancer cells. So the immunotherapy goes and breaks up this barrier between the cancer cells and immune system. Mm -hmm. And the immune cells get activated and take the cancer cells as foreign and try to kill them. That's the mechanism of immunotherapy. Precision medicine, is that Mm -hmm. saying that we're becoming more precise with our therapies, more precise with our oncology, so that uh, uh, we're not kind Mm -hmm. of feeling our way around? We can can actually create a therapy specific for the the individual and, and what they're having to go through? Yep. So precision medicine, or we can also call this personalized medicine. And that's where we are going more and more with our cancer treatments. So we know that chemotherapy is for everyone. But the newer therapies, like the targeted therapies, immunotherapies, are mainly personalized. So what we tend to do is we take the patient's tumor biopsy and sequence the genes mm-hmm. and target the treatment and give recommendations based on their genes and uh, the genes which are up or down and treatments which work on that particular gene. So each every treatment is not for everyone. So we tend to personalize treatment based on their genetic makeup and the what are the genes up and down? And that has really been helping us because with the newer treatments, we have less side effects. Uh And we are not exposing everybody to a treatment who don't benefit from it. We just give to the treatment, the right treatment to the right patient so that they can benefit from it and also have less side effects from the treatment and are able to tolerate and it's like cancer is becoming more like chronic disease, like diabetes or high blood pressure yeah. with this precision medicine that with less side effects and even these treatments are oral medications that patients are able to tolerate well and live longer. If you're saying it's becoming like diabetes and that kind of thing, so just hearing the word cancer, uh, it's no longer an automatic death sentence. 
Exactly. You're exactly right. So that's what I was trying to say. For most cancers, if it's like early stage cancers, mm-hmm. they're curable with uh, surgeries and uh, radiation therapies and stuff. But for stage four, we are not we haven't got to home run yet, but we are still having these patients live longer so that they can get their things done. Like some patients have the goal to attend the graduation for their kids in a year or two, which mm-hmm. they are able to meet and get to their goals at this time with the newer therapies that they are going to live longer and longer. Like an example, I would say uh, my patients like with colon cancer, it, it used to be only two years that yeah. they would live, but I have patients living more than five years, even with stage four colon cancer, and and they have quality of life too. It's not that they are just sick and not able to do anything. They are able to keep their quality and also quantity of life. So screening is still very important with colon cancers because they're many times are caught in that stage three or stage four. But mm-hmm. uh, if you can get screened. Uh, the earlier you get screened in stage one, then your your chances of recovery increase then. And that's true for any cancer. If you get diagnosed very early, like stage one to three uh, for most of the cancers are curable. So basically the screening cancers which we have are mammograms for breast cancer. Colon cancer is the colonoscopy or the stool test to get at least started. And also the new guidelines for colon cancer screening have dropped down from 50 to 45, which not all providers and patients realize. And also I would stress the importance that we are seeing more and more young colorectal cancers. So I would definitely stress the importance of screening early for colorectal cancers. The other cancer we have is like a cat cans for lung cancers if uh-huh. you have smoking history. And also genetics has become very important. We are finding more and more that more cancers have inherited component. Previously, we used to think just breast and colon cancers were inherited, but now we are also seeing that pancreas cancer, prostate cancer have a genetic component. So more the importance of genetic testing also if you have cancer history in the family so that you can start screening at early stages and can get diagnosed with early stage cancer. Uh, Right back to colon cancer one more time. Uh, Mm -hmm. Sometimes uh, doctors have said, well, you know, you only have to get a a colorectal uh, cancer, uh, a colorectal screening about once every 10 years or so. We probably need to do it, what, annually or every couple Mm -hmm. of years to make sure we get it as early as possible? Uh, No, the starting, like when you start screening, has to start at 45. But the good thing is like for a polyp to develop to a cancer, it takes almost 10 years. That's why the recommendations are to do every 10 years Uh if your colonoscopy is totally normal. But if they find polyps on colonoscopy, then the screening recommendations are to do every three years. Or if you have a genetic history, then we even do colonoscopies yearly for very high-risk patients. Is uh, the genetic part, is that something you have to, uh, uh, me being a layman person here, that's, that's something I need to ask you, my doctor, to do? Or, or is that going to be automatic? 
So uh, whenever you go to your primary care doctor, I know they all ask about your family history of cancers. So if you have family history of cancers, you are very high risk. And that automatically puts a signal that you need genetic testing. And the genetic testing nowadays is approved by all insurance companies. And it's just a tube of blood. Or sometimes they even do buccal swabs, like they get swabs from your oral mucosa, like from your cheeks. They do a cheek swab. And the genetic companies even send the kids to your house and they can do it at home and you just send it to them and then they will contact you with the results. Previously, there was a lot of stigma that insurances were not covering and what you were diagnosed with genetic screening, will your like life insurance and those things come down. But nowadays, the rules have changed and nobody should be affected with getting the genetic screening done. Breast cancer, uh, Mm -hmm. biopsies were invasive for years, but that was the the latest method of making of, of seeing if the, if a uh, a tumor or something was really malignant there now you're using liquid biopsies uh, how mm-hmm. do those work so the liquid biopsies is slightly different uh, it's mainly for patients who are diagnosed with cancer is where we use uh, most currently. The only where we use like liquid biopsies to diagnose cancer, it's still in like research, I would say. Mm-hmm. There is like some companies uh, with uh, saying that they can diagnose cancer with that test. And one of them is called Grail testing, which was approved after like a lot of patients were screened and they got some signals showing that uh, they can screen cancers in uh, healthy patients. It's available, but I think we need still some information and more data to how you use it. Going to breast cancer as well, um, there's some confusion among us uh, us patients. <laughs> Uh-huh. Regarding, especially ladies, the um, the I, I guess the recommendation for patients uh, for HER2 negatives to reclassify themselves to HER2 lows so they, they yeah. can use a so, new drug. So the, what's in breast cancer is whenever we have a breast cancer patient, yeah. we look at the markers in the cancer. One is for estrogen and progesterone markers to direct therapies. The other marker is called HER2, H-E-R2, which is a protein overexpressed in like approximately 30% of breast cancer patients. Previously, we used to classify patients as HER2 negative and HER2 positive and use the drug that targets HER2 only if they were HER2 positive. Mm -hmm. But recently, we have had couples treatments which have been showed in studies that if you have even low HER2 expression, they can benefit from these drugs. So in HER2, we have three classes. One is positive and negative. Yeah. Uh, positive it is if you have three plus HER2 expression. If you are one or two plus expression, we were thinking it as negative previously. But now with the new drug approvals, and HER2 is one of the drugs which was previously used just for high HER2 expression. But studies have shown that it can also work for patients who have low HER2 expression, giving us more options for our breast cancer patients to get more treatment options and improve their overall survival. So 
your recommendation is for ladies or men with breast cancer too to get themselves reclassified because yep we have been asking our pathologists to go and look back at the testing to see it's not just positive and negative and give us the levels and we as oncologists are also looking um, more closely about the her2 testing is it uh, not completely negative or is it low expression the area of pancreatic pancreatic cancers Anyone who is diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, they say, oh, my gosh, I've only got a 3% chance to, uh, mm-hmm. to uh, live. But I guess they, are, are, they have developed new ways now of at least testing for and trying to c- catch these things early before it's in a stage four and you only have a 3% chance to live. And that's the test we talked previously. It's similar to liquid biopsies, I would yeah. say. The GRAIL testing, which is uh, getting more popular nowadays. I think if you have family history of pancreatic cancer, definitely this would be one test to consider. But uh, this test is a blood test, which can diagnose cancer in patients. And mostly pancreatic, ovarian, bladder cancers have been high in the list of diagnosis. It's, uh, but as I said previously, we need a little bit more information how to use this test exactly yeah. and needs more validation, I would say, about it. Because if it's positive, yes, we can um, go and do screening with CAT scans and biopsies. But if it's uh, positive and if we don't see anything on the scan or on further testing, we are not clear how to use this test. But as I said, it's going to be prime time soon in the next few years that we could diagnose not only pancreatic cancers, but other cancers just based on the blood test. Uh, it's maybe not a cure yet for pancreatic, but at least better treatments are on the way. So people can't expect to maybe live a little longer. Yep. Definitely, as I said, the prognosis for pancreas cancer has definitely improved, and we are having more and more drugs approved every year or every other year, I would say, for pancreatic cancer, and we have definitely improved overall survival. Um, Like 15 years ago when I was in my training, I would tell for stage 4 pancreas cancer patients with or without treatment, you had three to six months to live, but that's not the case anymore. We have patients living at least two to three years, even with stage four pancreatic cancers. We do thank Dr. Sujatha Nalaparetti of the Rocky Mountain Cancer Center's U.S. Oncology for sharing her expert insights with us on this edition regarding the developments in cancer and treatments. I'm Adam Morgan. Do keep in touch. Get your updated COVID booster or your initial vaccination should you need it to keep your Self and your family safe. And we do appreciate you for sharing a few moments of your weekend with us.